What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. Coming at you Monday through Friday, every single weekday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Tell your friends to do the same as Locked On Blazers, your team every day. Today's show, in fact, coming at you every single weekday, but a little bit late. Uh, your boy was under the weather, so I did not record on Sunday because uh, I, I just I, I couldn't do it. But I'm playing through the pain to record a Monday evening episode. So instead of getting one game to recap and then another, we got two in a row for you. So that's what we're going to do. The Blazers wrapped up the preseason with the games against the Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. We'll do our fastest recap in the West. We'll talk about Tumani Kamara, who looked pretty good. We'll talk about Shane Sharp. Scoot Henderson, and what we've learned from the preseason. Let's do what we do, though, first. Fastest recap in the West. Blazers lose 138-133 on Saturday night to the Utah Jazz. No DeAndre Ayton, no Malcolm Brogdon, and still no Robert Williams in that one. Uh, 40-34 Jazz after one, but whoo! Amphrey Simons was cooking early. Seven hit his first seven shots. 18 points in the first quarter on seven of eight shooting, but hit his first seven shots to keep the Blazers in the game. 75-62 Jazz at the break. Uh, both teams played their starters, like their their excuse me, their nine man like regular-ish normal rotations uh, through the fir- through the first three quarters. So it was like it was a pretty normal like good test of like NBA ish games. Obviously, the Blazers without Aiton and Brogdon, like two vets who are going to play, and without Robert Williams, who's presumably going to play at some point. But a, a good test was sort of like a normal, normal-ish rotation. Uh, and after three quarters, 111-97, Jazz have a comfortable lead, and they go on to win 138-133. Blazers closed the gap a little bit, but couldn't come all the way back. Back despite a, an exciting late push led by Tumani Kamara, and in, in, in part, uh, they lose 138-133. That's your fastest recap in the West. Then on Monday evening, that's your first of your fastest recaps in the West. Then on Monday evening, Blazers just wrap up their preseason schedule in the desert, in the valley. They play the Suns and lose 117-106. None of the vets played in this one. No Amphrey Simon, no, no Jeremy Grant, no Matisse Thibel, no DeAndre, no Malcolm Brogdon. Still, no Robert Williams, who did has yet to appear in a game for the Blazers since coming over in a trade. Um, held out for one game and then banged knees and was held out for games after that. Uh, bummer. We'll talk about him a little bit more later in the sh- a little later in the show. Suns played their dudes. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic didn't play, but uh, Kevin Durant played, and Devin Booker played, and Brad Beal played, and that trio is gonna be. Good. Uh, Suns lead 36-23 after one, 76-54 after two, 99-77, although the Suns did not play their starters in the second half, 99-77 after three. Uh, Blazers made it, you know, relatively close, but never got within striking distance. They lose 117-106. That's your fastest recap in the West for both games. Um, so so what did we learn? I think this is, a, this is f- from this. I think this is kind of the theme of the whole episode. It's like kind of what did we learn? One, um, if there was any doubt in your mind, Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant are the Blazers' two best players as they currently stand. The 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 goal for this season, I think, should be for that to be in doubt, right? It should be for DeAndre Ayton to play well enough that it's like yeah, he might he might be their best player. Look at him, like he, that that's that's like a uh, something you should be rooting for. You want for Shane Sharp and Scoot Henderson to develop to the point where you're like those dudes really might be the best guard on the roster. Like it's like where it's like a real debatable thing, right? Um, it's 
not now. It's not. Every time it's just, he's just like, this is the thing I talked about earlier. It's like people confusing potential with production. That's every time it's just, it's just a productive NBA player. And those, those other folks are, uh, the other young guards are, they have serious potential, but are not there yet. And, um, you know, Aiden has had, he had, I thought he had a good opening to the, to preseason, but I don't think he played particularly well against the Suns in that second game. And then he sat out the, the, the last two games. So, uh, you know, it's, he ha- he might get there, but he hasn't been there. And like Jeremy Grant is just, um, I will say this for Jeremy Grant. He doesn't, he, he did not have a particularly aesthetically pleasing game against the jazz on Saturday night and not come away thinking like, Ooh, I enjoyed watching Jeremy Grant. That was what a treat. Um, but he, he shot really efficiently and he scored 24 points. Like, um, it's hard to, it, 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 I'm I'm literally nitpicking aesthetics. Like I think he 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 gets it and he looks for his own shot. Except he kept looking for his own shot. It kept going in. Um. So, uh, good 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 job. I guess is what what I'm trying to say. Um. I feel like there are going to be nights where Jeremy Grant's propensity to uh, take ISO mid range jumpers is more frustrating because he's just not always going to shoot that well. But the Blazers need him and need Amphrey Simons just to prop up the offense. Um, they'll probably need Malcolm Brogdon to prop, uh, prop up the offense a little bit too. Again, the hope is that this, right now, those two gentlemen are the Blazers' best players and it's not close. It can get close because I think Aiton can get there pretty quickly and, and hopefully over the course of the season it becomes close. That's got to be the goal for this team. It's got to be the goal that this gets close, that it becomes a, a thing where you can say like, where where the gap between the youngsters and the vets narrows and because the youngsters are taking a real climb and because DeAndre Aiden finds a stride. I think that's that's really what you're hoping for. I want to talk a little bit more about the youngsters. I want to talk about Scoot and I want to talk I want to talk Shaden Sharp. Um I, I think Shaden Sharp's been better than Scoot and unsurprisingly just he's like had more NBA experience. Um also like he's not he's not running the offense, so it's a little bit different ask for him. But I want to talk about both those youngsters because it's um it's it's kind of an interesting look into what the Blazers sort of some of the decisions they have to make in the future. What did we learn and what will they do? And then I want to talk about Tumani Kamara. On Saturday night, he was um he was in your hearts and trying to convince you that he deserves to start for the Portland Trailblazers when the regular season comes. And then he struggled on Monday evening against against the Suns uh, and almost fouled out in a game where he barely scored. Um, the truth is, the truth is somewhere in between there, Scully. But um, I think uh, we we got to talk about Tumani because he's been one of the real joys of 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 uh, the preseason, the exhibition season. So let, let's talk about. The youngsters. Let's talk about Scoot. Let's talk about Shane. Let's talk about Tumani. All of that in the second segment. Before we get there, I want to tell you about game time. It's the place, the absolute place for last minute tickets. If you want to go to a game day of, say you're say you're trying to go to a Blazer game. The the, the uh, regular season starts next week, or it starts in ten days, and you decide you're going to go to a game, but you decide at eleven a.m. You're telling your buddies at work or your friends on the text thread, and you're saying we should go. I'm gonna look for look for tickets. The best place to do that is on the Game Time app because not only do they have, not only do they specialize in last minute tickets and bring you the lowest price, but what I like about it is when you pull up the app, you get the little map of the stadium, and what you see is what you get. So you're not gonna click on something that says 49 bucks, and then you click through, and it costs 72 dollars in checkout. 
it says 49 bucks right there it'll cost you 49 bucks and with game time you might even get cheaper deals than that they got flash deals they got zone deals so you might get a, a special discount to sit somewhere in the stadium flash deals to say hey if you buy a ticket right now uh you, you're gonna get a 28 dollars get-in price to the arena so if you're trying to go to a game make sure that you choose game time because they are the spot for all of your la all of your procrastination needs when it comes to tickets here's what you do you download the game time app create an account and use the code locked in nba and you get twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again it's simple create an account use the redemption code locked in nba that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-n-b-a for twenty dollars off and download the game so download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right so I think some of the fun of preseason is watching young guys figure it out, put it together, and show little bits and pieces of what they can do in the regular season. And I think Scoot Henderson and I think Shaden Sharp definitely did that. Scoot has some rockiness to his game because he's 19 years old trying to figure out how to play point guard in the NBA. This isn't surprising. This isn't, shouldn't surprise any of us. There was hope that maybe a couple years in the G League would get Scoot up to speed, and perhaps that does accelerate his uh, growth curve a significant amount. And instead of it taking 45 games for him to get into the rhythm, he can do it in 25, right? But a teenager playing in this league asked to play point guard in the NBA, which is hard. I know that there's this idea... That it's like it takes big men longer to develop. I think that's sort of like a classic thing. I don't think I believe that. I think point guard is the hardest position to learn in the league. And Scoot is, it, it's, you're guarding a ton of pick and rolls. You're operating on ball. You you're have, you know, 10 defender eyeballs on you and come across the court with the ball in your hand. Point guard is just really hard. And Scoot, while he has shown this, he's really good in the open court, right? When the, when the defense is stretched out, when you've got four guys back or three and a half guys back and, and he can, he can, get that burst in the open court he doesn't have that like super crazy explosion but once he gets once the train starts rolling he is hard to slow down got good touch around the rim uh he's a natural passer he's um you know he's 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 got some obvious skills but then there's some bumpy stuff um i think his when to shoot when to pass kind of clock is still calibrating um, i thought against the jazz he took too many threes off the dribble uh, and, and he's taken some tough mid-rangers that are just like more difficult shots than he needs to. I don't think the offense has come as smoothly as maybe you were hoping. And that said, there's been, you know, with, with the inefficiency, like I think he's going to be an inefficient scorer in the league. Like I think that's just normal for young guards. Um, the playmaking, like natural playmaking ability is going to be there. Like he's going to average six or seven assists just by virtue of being on the court and knowing how to play basketball. And, and the shooting stuff, you know, maybe he, he doesn't, it doesn't like come around, but if he cuts out some of the harder off the dribble looks and takes mostly catch and shoot threes, uh, if he takes sort of the easier pull-ups, because I think some of the, the more challenging pull-up jumpers have been, have been a little bit shaky for him, or he's gotten a little, a little bit, a little too deep into the paint on drives and like, Oh, okay. Now I got to take a tougher pull up. I, once, once he can kind of clean up that decision-making like the, the natural skills are there. Like it's just, he looks young. He looks young in a way that is very normal and believable. Um, not like, 
uh-oh, it's like, he's not, he's not, I'm not worried about him at all. Um, I just think if you were hoping that he would be like so far ahead of the schedule for a natural 19 year old in, in the NBA, he doesn't look so far ahead of schedule. Kind of looks like a guy who's going to make that transition being a young player in the league. It's a, it's a, um, it's a tough trend. It's, it's certainly a tough transition to make. I think the best he's looked is unsurprisingly in that first preseason game when he was playing against uh, players that he could just physically dominate. Then when he's playing against you know more physically uh, physically developed talent, um, I thought Colin Sexton gave him some problems just by being aggressive. Colin Sexton's like I think for me his biggest problem on defense is that he's over aggressive. So eventually Scoot will say, "Okay, you're going to guard me at 85 feet. That was a mistake," and he'll just put him in his hip pocket and drive the length of the floor. Um, you know, the Suns just like, there's no easy out. Like, where do you go with, with book, with book and, and, uh, and Brad Beal in there, there's, there's nothing you can do. And I think when they played their full complement, the Suns just like, they could show you how quickly they can overwhelm you going end to end. Scoot had some foul trouble. He had some turnover trouble, stuff that young guys are going to struggle with. Um, you can see the sort of rough outlines of a guy who understands how to play and wants to play the right way. And then you can see a teenager playing NBA basketball on top of that, on top of that rough outline. Um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm legitimately not worried about it. Um, I don't think it is. I think it is eyebrow raising as opposed to alarm raising, but you say like, "Hmm." I was hoping Scoot would be uh, the clear and unquestioned savior of the franchise the moment he stepped on the preseason court. And he's not that. He's a guy who's who's young. And one thing I will say to Chauncey Billups' credit, and uh, we'll, we'll do a season preview on Chauncey Billups. A lot of you have sent me emails and asked me questions about Billups. We'll do a whole show on Chauncey because I think he's a huge part of the season, one of the great question marks um, <laughs> across the whole dang franchise. But um, credit to Chauncey Billups is that when the vets have sat and when the vets have, uh, you know, when they were held out of games, when they had held out of halves, whatever it might be, Scoot wasn't that. Scoot was the, this was get as many minutes as you possibly can. There's, there's no special treatment or no like, hey, you're going to play 2,500 minutes in this coming NBA season. So like, we're going to save your body. You know, it's like, you need reps. You're a, you're a, you're a young, young, young player, 19 years old point guard you need reps and you need to play and i uh, credit chauncey billups for just making sure that scoot was out there playing a ton of minutes because that's what he absolutely needs so um again i think this was a um i don't even think it was underwhelming from scoot i think it was whelming i was whelmed by scoot because it's like oh yeah he's young i i think he might still be really good and i think he might still be really good like in january but it was a reminder um i i think for all of us that like we gotta um, you gotta temper your expectations for how quickly he figures it out. I'm pretty confident he's gonna figure it out, but the when is maybe like post Christmas type of thing, not um, Halloween. It's as long as we're measuring by major American holidays. Um, Shane Sharp. He looks. He looked real solid against um, Utah and Phoenix. Did not shoot well from three against the Suns on Monday night. But he has, when he plays at a tempo that doesn't speed him up, he can get into shots he wants to get into. And he's got great touch. His feet are a problem. And what I mean by that is that if you get into Shaden Sharp's mechanics and screw it up, he is not a bad shot. He's not a bad shot maker. He's a really fluid with his footwork 
get into the lane, pivot back, fall away, that type of thing, right? But if you get into his his feet, his mechanics get screwed up in a hurry. Like if you crowd his if you crowd his bases, his, his it gets screwed up in a hurry. And what he did a really good job of is making sure no one crowded his base. Came off the, you know, comes off a dribble handoff, immediately sees Walker Kessler, Jazz Center, and a drop, which is like he's behind the screen, right? So he knows he can eat up that space. So he takes two dribbles at Walker Kessler. Kessler says, I'm crowding the paint. Like, this is what I do. I crowd the paint. I'm one of the elite drop defenders in the league. And Shaden Sharp says, that's great. I'm hitting a 16-footer in your face. And they did it again. And they did it again. And they did it again. He hit four of them, right? Like he just said, okay, this is how you're going to guard me. I can go get him. And I know I can, I, this is, this is free, you know, un, unguarded space in the mid range where, you know, teams are okay letting you take off the dribble mid range jumpers, but it's a comfortable shot for Shaden Sharp and went up and hit it and made it with, made it with comfort. He's still great in the open floor. Like he, he had a couple steals and he had some runouts and just like where his athleticism and his, his, um, the, the way he's able to make strides and just get past people on those quick uh, left to right little step through moves. Like he's fun in the open floor, but that understanding of, okay, they're crowding me. Okay. It's hard. They're, ch- you know, in, in drop coverage, you chase the guy over the screen. So you, the defender is going to be behind you. They're going to be on your hip. Um, they're going to, they're going to chase, they're going to chase you hard. So if you do pull up for three, um, you're going to get a contest, like a rear, rear view contest. You're going to get a contested shot. You've got to eat up that space. And he did a good job. And he had a nice sort of understanding of how that works. Uh, I think Sharp is, um, and I mentioned this in the game that he started, he didn't really seem to know where his offense was going to come when he was sharing the floor with Scoot and Ant and Jeremy Grant. Uh, it's like, um, and DeAndre Ayton in that game, it's, that, it's like, Hmm. <laughs> like, where does my offense come? I think that screams pretty obviously that Amphrey Simons, or excuse me, that Shaden Sharp being a uh, bench scorer is the, his early season role. His early season role. Is it his all season role? No, that remains to be seen, right? That remains to be seen. That's like, that's a thing you can make. But the early season, the best spot for him is to come off the bench because if he is, if he can be that guy where he's going to get handoffs and get to make those decisions and he doesn't have to be on the wing with like, and, and um, trying to get in where he fits in, but he can be that like, you know, the primary or secondary action is for Shaden. He can read it and make decisions off of that. Um, I I think when the decision tree, or I don't know if that's necessarily decision tree, but when the, when the sort of processing is a lot of, a lot of different options, I think Shaden Sharp can get, um, I think it can be a little bit more challenging for him to figure out where he where he can be aggressive. And then because he needs kind of that space to operate, to, he's like so silky smooth when he has space and so um, whatever, so rough when he doesn't have space. Like he needs to know where that space is going to come and then he can attack and attack and use his strengths. Like um, there is a world in which Shaden Sharp is clearly the deserving starter at some point later in the season. But if we're just talking about like the first weeks, months of the season, like the early part of the season, his best spot to use his gifts is going to be as that bench score is going to be on that sort of um, where he can be like where he can be at at worst the second option on a bench on a bench lineup like him and Malcolm Brogdon go 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 out and score once Jeremy Grant and once and once Anthony Simons go to the bench like that's that's the spot for Sharp to attack because I think from watching him when the decisions are when when he can see it process it and go get it Sharp can be really effective um, I I think 
I think putting too much on his plate is just like taking away from what he does well. Keep it simple for him, and he can score 20 points in a, in a game like he's, he's shown in preseason. I don't know if he's going to average 20 in like an NBA game, but like he's like a smooth 15 waiting to happen. Um, but if you make it harder for him, he gets lost because it's harder to figure out where he fits in. He's like, he's kind of, um, he, he just seems to be from from watching these preseason games, and this is maybe too hot, but this is like a lukewarm take that is feeling a little too hot. But like, it just seems like he's a clear bench score for me. Okay, I teased him, but I didn't talk about him. Tamari Kamara is making a pretty darn good case to play, to play and play real minutes when the season starts. Let us, let us discuss beloved hero of the Blazers exhibition season, Tamari Kamara, in the fi- in the final segment, third segment of the show, plus uh, some other thoughts on how the Blazers will can be patient and what patient means for this franchise. But first, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, if you are dealing with a acute traumatic event, Therapy can be what you need to get over the uh, a, a traumatic moments or 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 or, a, or an experience in your life. But therapy doesn't just have to be for those acute traumatic events or a single traumatic experience. It can just be routine maintenance to help you live your best life, develop the coping skills you need, or just try to figure out why you react to certain situations and build on things to. Get the best out of yourself in situations moving forward. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedInNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedInNBA. Still a Baz versus point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers. Tumani Kamara is here. And if I had recorded this a little bit earlier in the week, if I had recorded this on Sunday afternoon, where I typically record it, as opposed to Monday evening, Monday night, honestly, it's after 10.30 p.m., uh, Monday night, uh, we might be having a slightly different conversation. I, I will tell you this. My take written in my my trusted notebook here. This is not a moleskin shout out to um shout out to Woj and Joe Cronin. This is another that's another brand of notebook I just held up in the YouTube video. Uh no no buzz marketing until they pay for ad space. Um but my my take was that it hasn't really changed. But Tumani struggled on Monday night against the Suns and I think it's um there's no way to prove that my take had changed, okay? Here's my take. And this was the honest, honest to goodness what I wrote down after Saturday's game. I don't think Tamani Kamara will start because it doesn't make sense. Matisse Thibel, the Blazers, you know, they 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 paid to they traded for him, they paid to bring him back. Um, he's a really good defensive player and, and the sort of a veteran that can help steady the course. But Kamara has made such a strong case, such a strong case to be part of the regular season rotation, the every night playing rotation. Typically, Chauncey Billups has played nine plus. That's either nine guys 
or nine with one player who gets like a first half eight minute cameo. Rarely, rarely, except during um, his first season where he was just trying stuff. <laughs> um, has he played 10? He has, he has not been a 10, 10 uh, player rotation coach. And I think nine is the right number in, in the regular season. Um, I, I think you it allows you to get, you know, push everyone up towards that 28, 29, push your 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 bench guys up towards that 22 plus, like um, play a couple starters in the 35 minute range. That's Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant. And then you can, so everyone gets real run when they check in. You play eight or nine minute stretches, you get warm, you get shots, you get opportunities. You don't just like run up and down the court a couple times, maybe get three touches and check out. Like a little five minute stint in the NBA, it's fine. Five or six minutes is fine but it's like not like a nine minute chunk is the is like the right amount so like really get get your um get a get a rhythm like get a rhythm and get get involved and be have have like a meaningful impact i think tamari kamara made a case to be nine but if he's nine he's probably taking jabari walker's minutes and walker has been um, was clearly ahead of him in the pecking order to begin with. And Walker's been pretty good in the preseason. Not incredible. Not like so good he, he has to play, but he's been pretty good. He hasn't like... Jabari Walker has not played himself out of playing time. Tamani Kamaro's just played as well. They say he has to play. So I'm thinking then, you know, it's it looks like it should be a 10-man rotation. It looks like it should be... They should just play 10 guys, eat into some other people's minutes, play, you know, don't play Jeremy Grant 37 minutes a night, even though you know Chauncey Billups is itching to, um, you know, and and shrink Matisse Thibel's minutes because, like, what does it matter if he plays 20 minutes a night? He's not, like, um, a long-term portion of, you know, he's under contract for three years, but he's not, like, um, a foundational piece of the franchise. So if he gets his minutes cut down to 19 or whatever a game, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Uh Kamara, he just has a lot of stuff he can do. Um, he's not this like elite passer, but he knows how to pass. He can shoot it off the catch and shoot with a good looking left-handed jump shot. He is uh, a competitive rebounder in the paint, and he is a fearless, fearless defender at the rim. You can't try him at the rim. I mean, you can. He almost fouled out of the Suns game, but like he's he. He understands rotations. He'll get over to the rim as as a backline defender. The Blazers played a bunch of lineups in that in that um, Jazz game with with the young wings because it was no Brogdon and no um, no uh, no DeAndre Ayton. So they played a bunch of those all wings minutes with Murray, Walker, and 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 uh, Kamara as as the backline. Uh, you know, way probably way too small to play with any like consistency in a, in a regular season game, but a, a fun look during the preseason. And I liked the way Kamara defended as sort of like weird backline five. Like I think he can, like I think he's totally comfortable as a four in the league. Like he's just big, um, but I think he can guard threes. I think he can guard fours. Um, and and he was like a functional small ball five. I do not want him to play center. Let me be clear, but totally functional as a small ball five because a willingness to get over, get his nose into the into the play and defend shots at the rim. Just has a lot of skills. Got a lot of skills. Got um, some defensive versatility. Got some offensive versatility. Has just um, has a little bit of that dog in him per thirty six that you're always looking for. Like he's just he can just he can play. Um, and I I hope he gets a chance to play during the regular season. It would be a mistake if he is not in the in the night one 
rotation. Does that mean I think he should play over Jabari Walker? I wouldn't be super mad if he did, but I think moreover it means the Blazers should play 10 guys on night one. All of this assumes that Robert Williams plays. We didn't get to see him in preseason. I thought it was a a, um, a slight a slight notable occurrence when he didn't play the first game because I said he was still ramping up. And then he had a knee-to-knee collision with Jeremy Grant that was pretty nasty. Um, Jeremy Grant, you know, he played a bunch of minutes the following game and, and Robert Williams didn't. And they didn't play the next game. And then he didn't play Monday. And it's like... I just want to see him. Um, the Blazers, when they played NBA teams, gave up over 70 in the first half with against every single of those one of those NBA teams. Um, and I don't want to pile on too much on this, but I'll just leave it here. Um, watching Duop Reith and Moses Brown, I would say Moses Brown had a very uninspiring preseason and Reith had a pretty uninspiring defensive preseason, although his shooting touch is at least intriguing because he can shoot a little bit. Um if either of those dudes are playing in an NBA game, you're in trouble. Those are third centers in the league. Um, if you're playing big minutes with the third center in the league, it's just not it's not going great. Um, and 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 Moses Brown, quite frankly, right now might not even be a third center in the league. He he had a um, he had a tough preseason, tough preseason. Couple, couple offensive goaltending calls, um, bunch of defensive three seconds calls. Uh, stepped over the end line, which he did in his first Blazers tenure during an epic uh, moment where he had. Um, we won't relive it, but an epic, an epic down moment in the Moses Brown tenure for the Blazers. Um, like he just, he just, um, it's not quite there in terms of like sharpness. Uh, so like you want them to be able to, they want the Blazers to be able to clean it up. But even if the Blazers, I think there is a world in which I'd be comfortable with the Blazers going somewhat small if the choice is play Moses Brown for 19 minutes or play Tumani Kamara and be a little bit small for, for 20 minutes. I think I would go, I think I would go small on the, another, on the Rob Williams point. It's a lot to clean up on defense. I think what we learned is this team's going to be pretty, pretty rough on defense. They're playing a bunch of zone. I will say this for the Billups, Roy Rogers defense. They're multiple. They show multiple looks. They have yet in three years to be good at any of those looks at any point. I don't think this is the year that they get good on defense, um, but they do show a lot of looks. They show man-to-man. They show zone. We haven't seen the press, but I think they'll show the press this year. I think we haven't seen their best defensive group together at all. So it's like, will they be better on defense this year? Yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen. They definitely have way better defensive personnel, um, but it, they've got a lot to clean up there. And when you're young, typically you're going to struggle a little bit on defense. My last thought before we get out of here, running a little long because we're doing two games. I'm curious about the level of patience the, the Blazers show. they got nine days before the season starts. That's a long time. They'll figure some stuff out. They'll see guys. They'll get healthy. They'll make it happen. But I'm talking much longer tail than just nine days. I'm talking the patience to continue to play veterans ahead of youngsters when they are clearly headed in a certain direction. So how long do they patiently keep Malcolm Brogdon playing a whole bunch of minutes, right? What is their patience level before they say, let's go with three young guards a bunch of minutes? What is their level of patience before they say, let's try out crazy funky lineups even though we know they won't work because it's worth collecting data? Or will they do what is more typical of coaches like Billups, who might be coaching for, I don't know if he's co- coaching for his job. It's like an overstatement, but um, you want to win, right? If you're a coach, will he 
play Anthony Simons like 40 minutes some nights because they just need his offense and, and Jeremy Grant 40 minutes because they need his offense and not sacrifice five minutes of crappy basketball to get developmental minutes for t- for folks. What is their sort of willingness to be patient with bad play with bad young bad play from young players? Because if you're patient and by that I mean willing to sacrifice quality for developmental minutes, in October and November and December and January, it's going to pay off in February and March and then down the line further than that. Um, the, the, the My question for this team is, what is their sort of patience level with having rough nights? Because if they're comfortable having rough nights, but they start to develop an identity and how they want to play and and groupings that play that work together and they find out how well Scoot and Shaden play together and they do all of these things that can help them down the line in 24 and 25 that's the sort of the level of patience I hope they have is that they can see the long the long see the long road right see the see the bigger picture because if they're not and if they're playing night to night to win I think it's going to the the it could be a little more frustrating because we haven't seen what the whole group looks like together, I don't even know how they're going to close games at the end of the year. So one of the big things I'm curious when this regular season starts is like, how much do they prioritize doing the right thing for the holistic organizational health? And how much do they prioritize doing the right thing to win a game on a Wednesday night in October? It'll be interesting to see. That is going to do it for today's show. Uh, we are still going to have five shows this week. They're going to be a little bit... Um, published times might be a little bit jacked up because of because uh, your, your boy had a fever and couldn't record. But uh, I'll be back. Five shows this week, uh, including season previews for Tamani Kamara. And also we'll talk um, Chauncey Billups and... We have a fun interview coming up this week, but it actually may get pushed to Monday's show. I will tell you more about that as this, as as the week rolls on. Um, that's what we do. Five days a week, wherever you get podcasts. Tell your friends about the show. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.